Good morning. Uh, please follow along as I read to you Paul's words to Timothy from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. God bless the reading of his word. Good morning. Well, for some of you who may not know me, my name is Paul Mayhew. Diane and I are missionaries with the church here uh, since 1979. And last night we were able to uh, celebrate the 35th anniversary of the workout in Macau. It was a wonderful time. I just praise God for what God has done and is doing there now. Uh, the gospel has been passed on down to the little kindergarten kids. We saw last night, it's just really thrilling to see uh, uh, what happened in that uh, worship service yesterday. So today, we are also doing something similar. Today, uh, try to watch what's going on. It's already started as we're talking about 2 Timothy 2.2 2, uh, this morning. And we have uh, Dan and Tony Carter with us, and I'm kind of platforming them this morning uh, to come and they'll be sharing in part of my message uh, this morning as we move through this passage. But we're talking about discipleship, and that's what's happening in Macau. The baton is being passed on. That's what's happening in the Carter's lives. And the young man that just read scripture for you, it's happening with him. And next week, it's going to kind of come to a climax when we do a commissioning service for them, uh, both these couples. So it, we're working through kind of in a practical example of this passage in the scripture about 2 Timothy 2.2, training others to be faithful in passing on the baton of the gospel to the next generation. So as we started this morning, as I got into this passage thinking about it, well, as more I got thinking about it, reading through it, it does have the metaphor of soldiering, of being in the service and fighting, fighting for Jesus. He is our commander-in-chief, and we are soldiers in that battle. So, yeah, we've got these two folks. They're supposed to be Dan and Tawny, and they've been trained. Oh, could you please turn off the lights over here? Uh, Skip, could you do that or someone? Flick the, these, these lights off here. It's just too bright. It's washing it out up here, if you would, please. And those of you on, online here, uh, we welcome you. And to uh, jo join in us, is that a little bit better? Can you see that a little bit better? Okay, let's leave it like that uh, for the time being here. So... We are working together as a church. That's something that Grace Point stands for, this principle of training others into ministry. So this morning I want to read uh, this passage, which Mark has just read, but I want to do it from a little bit different angle here. And I'm going to personalize it. And it goes something like this. Dan and Tawny, our dear son and daughter, remain strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard from Gary and me, me teach these things you, that you have been confirmed by many witnesses here in the congregation. Now entrust these truths to other trustworthy people who will be competent to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with us. We've suffered. We're in the process of suffering as good soldiers of the cross of Jesus Christ. Soldiers don't get tired, uh, don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Athletes, likewise, cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruits of their labor, asked Dave Gossett and a brother Faw. Number seven, think, reflect about what I am saying. The Lord will help you too to understand these things in a few years. As you go on to the pastorate, there you will be entering into a new life that you have never experienced before. Praise God that we're so proud of you and thankful for you. So this morning, I want to look at four different commands that are found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. 
So just these four points we're going to focus on, be strong in trust, endure, and think. So as we work through those passages, those are the main verbs, they're imperatives, actually they're commands to us. So we want to start on that the one verse, uh, chapter one, and we're so familiar with this passage, you then my son, and this is the elderly Paul, probably in his mid-60s, writing back to Timothy in his church there, in the ministries he, he has on the mainland. And so Paul, the elder guy, and he really, this is Second Timothy chap, chapter 2, the very end of his life. It doesn't have very long before he gets martyred. So he's writing back these words that are quite important to encourage the young Timothy in his pastoral ministry. Well, you can tell my hair is quite gray. My name happens to be Paul. So I'm jumping on this bandwagon. Dan, I know your name is not Timothy, but just take your name, Timothy, and Mrs. Timothy right there. As you go off, okay, the older Paul is admonishing and encouraging from the biblical Paul here about this thing. There's a command here, and it's, it's something to encourage you. And this command actually is in the present tense. So as you're studying, I know you haven't done the Greek and the Hebrew yet, but the days are coming. You'll get into this kind of stuff, and it's important to command what, if it's an aorist tense or a present tense or whatever, this one is a present tense. The idea is keep being strong. You're being strong now. You've been as strong with beyond. You've been strong with the, all of the high school ministry for over 10 years, you know, moving up to 20 years of being strong. The command here, Paul says, like me, I know. I've watched you for 20 years. You've been strong. Keep it up. That's what it says. That's what the intention of this passage here in being strong, keep up what you're doing and don't stop. Now, that's, you say, okay, well, that's cool. Be strong in the pastoral ministry. But I'll tell you, you haven't gotten there yet. I have 40 years of experience in this. Pastoring is a hard job. Don't let anybody ever tell you pastoring is an easy job. Get, get paid for sitting around your butt over there in the office. That, is not, that does not happen. Being a pastor is really tough work and takes a lot of work to do things. It's going to require moral strength in your character, the both of you. It's going to require much physical strength because it's tough to keep at the, the work every day. So you've got to stay in shape. No, I'm not such good shape yet, but praise God I can still move around. But for you guys, that's going to require that. It's going to require strength of integrity in your lives, what you're doing, how you're relating to other people, whatever. It's going to require a lot of mental strength for you as you move into the pastorate. So this, Paul really knew what he was talking to. The young, young man, Timothy, yes, probably physically he was a little bit weak maybe, but being weak physically is not what it's about in the pastorate. The pastorate has all this full orb of different areas, so keep being strong. And we will be praying for you about that as well. Then the next thing as we move into this uh, section here is I found this online and this statement here. Oops, can you go back to the one where, where the guy's standing in there with the, the soldier? Okay, well then move on down. Nope, down, come back down this way, go, or move forward. There you that this, this, pass, this statement expresses some of the truth about being in the pastorate. But we stand firm. Now, theologically, in Jude chapter 3, that the gospel, the full orb of doctrine, has already been once for all delivered to the church. We have doctrine. We have orthodox doctrine. We don't need to go out and find new doctrine. We already have it. Our job to stand firm, hold firm to the word. Now, we want to say, well, you know, we're a fortress image here. Well, we're not a fortress image. We are a fortress image when it comes to the word of God. We hold this thing. We're not letting go. We're not letting anybody budge into it, crack it open, anything. We're holding firm. That takes a lot of strength to do it. Stand your ground on that. When it comes to the word, God, word of God, orthodox, evangelical faith, stand our ground. Now, when it comes to evangelism breaking out, let's break new birth. 1.3 billion people in China still need to be saved. Who knows how many people need to be saved here in Afraid and we need to break out the barriers, go get them, lead them to Christ. That we take an aggressive advantage on. But when it comes to the Word of God, stand firm. Hold your ground. Be strong in the Lord. That's what is trying to communicate there. Now the next one, go, yeah, go on down, please. It's training. 
Disciples, chapter 2, verse 2, the one many of us have memorized already. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2 says, And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust or uh, teach or commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The idea of entrusting or committing is taking something and giving it to them. That's what the word is getting about. It's an heiress command. It's a bit different from the present command. We entrust something. I commit my life to you. I commit this doctrine to you. I commit when I asked Diana to marry her, I committed my life to her 47 years ago. So that's a kind of a commitment. We likewise commit the word of God, commit the teaching of the word of commit my life before you as we've done in Macau for 35 years. We've committed to that. So you commit in two basic ways in the training. One is train with your words. People don't get saved by watching your testimony. Now, it's cool, and we got to have a good testimony, not playing that down, but people will not get saved by watching your life. Sorry. People get saved by the Word of God. They need to hear the Word of God, either written some way, get the Word of God. The Word of God is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. We have to communicate the Word of God through our mouth. So, Verbally, we do need to express the gospel. We need to teach the Word of God. That's what you'll be doing. Your main role down there is going to be helping people get sanctified. That, that requires lots of teaching. Likewise, the other way of teaching is our example. So got, try to have the balance. Your life, more so your words. Keep your words accurate. Keep your words focused in the Word of God there. This command is an aorist tense, which means a principle of life. The first command means all the action, nitty-gritty, the details pushing on. This one is a big picture up here. What do you do as your, your pastoral ministry? I entrust, I commit the Word of God to other people. That's your way of life, and how you act, how you preach, how you pastor out there. So when you go to pastoring, I'm down here for a job. I, I'm here to commit the Word of God, entrust the Word of God to people who are trustworthy, reliable to pass it on. And then that's what our church is about. Grace Point's about this. We, we highly value the Word of God. And we have our faults and so forth, but in this area, we are passing it on. And now you've observed us 20-some years and maybe 30-some years. You've watched us here. We believe in Matthew... 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission. The main principle is disciple, right? That's the main principle out there. Two ways to disciple, baptizing them. Second, teaching them all of the command you do. That's what it's about. That's what we're about, training and teaching. There we are. When you take that, you go on down to be in the pastoral ministry down there. Next one, please. All right. Aren't the, isn't this a beautiful picture? Oh, sorry. There we go. This is beyond. Some of us haven't seen all these young people there. God is doing a wonderful work in Dan and Tani's life, through Dan and Tani's life, and now Dan and Tani are taking what they've received here, going on down to Leta, and next week we will can have a kind of a climax to these two Sundays. Today they're going to come and share their testimony with you, and then next week we'll commission them as a service to go on down there. So Dan and Tani, would you please come up? and share your part. Um, as Paul said, and I think most of you know, uh, this, this coming uh, Sunday, March 27th, will be our last day as regular tenders here at Grace Point. And it doesn't mean we won't come back and visit, but just as re uh, regular tenders, uh, this Sunday's our, our last day. And so after this coming Sunday, we'll be focusing on the process of transitioning to Leitau. Um, and Leitau, by the way, is in Washington. Some people, it's close to the border. Some people wonder if it's in Idaho or Washington. Um, it's a very small community, about 30 miles south of Spokane. So starting May 1st, I will uh, officially be pastoring there. Um, it's a small country church in a little community of Leita. So during the month of April, I will be in the process of moving into a house, a really cool house. We want you all to come and visit. It's two miles north of town, out in the country. And uh, so, but in April, we're going we're gonna to be back and forth between Leita and Ephrata, making that transition because I have still have work to do on our house because we're going to rent it to Billy, April, 
uh, River and Rocky Porter. And so usually when I tell people that we're going to run our house to the porters, people go, oh, cool. And I was, I've got that a lot. And so I'm glad. That's a good sign they're not going to trash our house. So, <laughs> so I'm encouraged about that. If they do, keep them accountable. She says, she says she's going to make her dad fix anything they break, so that's good. Uh, so this coming Sunday will mark an end of a very important and meaningful era in our lives. Um, with this in mind, we are so thankful to have the opportunity to express our thankfulness for all of you and for the profound impact that being a part of this church family for two plus decades has had in our lives. And when I say Grace Point Church has had a profound impact on our lives, what I mean is God has worked through very meaningful ministry and relationships like you saw up on the screen this morning to cause us to grow spiritually, to bring healing uh, uh, after having grown up in very dysfunctional homes, abusive homes, um, and, and, and we've experienced a lot of healing from choices we made in our lives before we became Christians. And uh, so just a lot of healing and, and growth and has happened here while I've been at Grace Point. So in other words, we very much have been in the process of sanctification for 23 years here at Grace Point. And what do I mean by sanctification? And how does sanctification happen? Let me begin uh, explaining what I mean by doing something I've wanted to do for a long time. I've always wanted to do this. This is so great that I have this opportunity. So I think you all know what's coming. Uh, most of you do. So when we put our faith in Jesus and we are saved, we are justified. Right. So that means that we have been freed from the penalty of sin. So after we get saved and we understand what heaven's all about, uh, we look forward to heaven when we will be glorified. Good. Uh, and uh, I'll set that together. That was good. And so, and then we will be freed from the presence of sin. So, and in this, in between time, between justification and glorification, uh, we are in a time of being sanctified or sanctification. And during this time, we are, we, my, my wife wanted to make sure I get this right. We're being saved from the power of sin. Romans 6, uh, Romans 6, 1 through 14 makes that clear. So, uh, so justification, that first part, uh, happened in my life at age 21 when I placed my faith in Jesus and was saved. Uh, and from that moment forward, I began the process of sanctification. So very briefly, I just want to tell you, you know, my testimony, my story about how I, I, uh, began a relationship with God. I grew up in a home uh, with an abusive alcoholic father, and right away I want to emphasize that my father was a good-hearted man. In his heart of hearts, he did not want to let alcohol take control of his life. I always say that no little boy says, when I grow up, I want to become an abusive alcoholic father and destroy my family. Nonetheless, damage was done. When I was in high school, I was heavy into smoking weed and the party scene. In my early 20s, a certain life choices compelled me to realize the way I was living was wrong and that there was such a thing as right and wrong. When I became, I came to a point where God miraculously met me one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. I say miraculously because I grew up in a non-Christian home. No one shared the gospel with me, yet I found, myself, I found myself walking into a Wednesday night prayer meeting late, interrupting the meeting. A man looked up and asked if he could help me, and I said, yes. I want to learn about Jesus. That man was Pastor Dan Becker, and the church was a Preston Baptist Church located near Issaquah, Washington, and a church that is interestingly part of this denomination. I don't think I knew exactly what was happening that evening, but I do know that I was sitting on a couch crying, Pastor Dan prayed with me, and that, and that evening, by faith alone and Christ alone, I was saved. After I was saved at age 21, it took a while for me to understand what it means to live the Christian life, but Pastor Dan very wisely invited me to a small group in his home where we went through uh, two books by the Navigators that established me in my faith. Uh, the group was instrumental, and I believe it is why I'm standing here right now. The spiritual light bulbs came on, and I, I was off and running, and I still have uh, by the, books, the books by the Navigators to this day. They are uh, a uh, precious uh, possession to me. And I really love these books because it's kind of hard to do this with one hand. But uh, if you uh, open, oh, there we go. You open the book up to a certain page there, and there are these verses you're supposed to memorize and assignments you do. And every time you complete one, someone initials, uh, writes their initials uh, in, the, in the chart there that you have completed the assignment. And uh, 
And some of the uh, uh, initials are by Pastor Dan, Pastor Dan Bedker, and the date. And one of them is like uh, March 24th, 1983. So almost 39 years to the day uh, that I was uh, that I began this process. So it's just fun to look at those books and kind of see where my head was at that time. Um, and so these books are, are very precious possessions. They are so very precious because they are a graphic, physical, material reminder of marking a starting point of my sanctification. And this, this period of sanctification that I have been in since 1982 is really what Paul is referring to in his teaching from Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. So as it was read, as was read to us earlier, starting in verse 1 in the New Living Translation, the translation that Paul is using, the Apostle Paul writes, and I just want to read it again, uh, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. This is, as most of us know, this is the process or the principle of duplication that God wants to happen uh, in and through Christians as they grow spiritually in sanctification. And Paul talked about that. Uh, God loves us so much, and he so passionately wants each, each and every person to be saved or to be justified. God also wants each and every Christian to be in the process of sanctification, growing in their faith, so that we not only know Jesus through our justification, but we also follow Jesus in our sanctification. As many of us know, uh, a significant way spiritual growth happens is by mature Christians teaching, discipling, and encouraging other Christians to grow in their faith and become teachers and encouragers of other Christians. And Paul explained that very well. So an example of this, as, as Paul also referred to, is Marcus and Carly Plegerman. And so we are very encouraged uh, by them and that they're going to, uh, uh, that we're kind of handing off, if you will, the Beyond Ministry to them and they're hosting it in their home. But also Tana reminded me this morning, there are several other examples and they were in that photo that Paul put up. And thanks for putting that up. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, there's a couple there, uh, Michael and Sienna Wienendahl. She used to be Sienna Bedford. Uh, I got to officiate their wedding, and uh, they are working toward being mission aviation uh, pilots. Oh, there it is. Thank you. Yeah, the couple up there, uh, the guy with a tan hat on, uh, leaning against the counter, Sienna is to the right of Carly. That couple, they're, gonna, they're working toward uh, being missionaries with Mission Aviation Fellowship. Michael's a very talented mechanic. So... Many examples of the Second Timothy 2.2 uh, principle. Pardon me, haste to say this, but um, last month, here it comes, last month I turned 61. Used to be in high school, youth group, people would say, Dan, how old are you, how old are you anyway? And I just kind of trying to change the subject. And, uh, and I think I'm younger than I actually, I look younger than I am. Uh, or however you say that. Uh, so, but God has been the process of, of in my life, it's, um, God has been the process of sanctification in my life for 40 years. So that, because I, I was saved age 21, I'm 61 now, so for 40 years, God's been the process of uh, doing sanctification in my life. So throughout our years of singleness and 33 years of marriage, God's been preparing us so that the 2 Timothy 2.2 principle happens in and through us. So to give some perspective, 23 years of the 40 years that God has been working in my life, we have been here at Grace Point and being taught by those in leadership and now as we enter into pastoring a church, we will in turn teach others. So the point I want to emphasize is this. Grace Point Church has played a major role in our sanctification and preparing us as I look forward to pastoring in Leitah. We were, uh, and, and you might ask, uh, how has our church family played a major role in spiritual growth for the last 23 years? There are many ways, but let me just name a few. We, we were taught accurate truth and clear doctrine through excellent expository preaching, Sunday school classes, Bible studies, and life groups. Through relationships here at Grace Point, you encouraged us, exhorted us, discipled us. We have had the privilege of serving uh, God with some of you and have experienced some deep friendships. We have been loved deeply, and we have, been lo and we have loved back. Listen, let me try that again. We have loved deeply and have been loved back deeply. These have been very formative years. Not only have we been transformed spiritually, but our experiences here formed who we are as followers of Christ. 
What has also caused her huge spiritual growth has been the 10 years in youth ministry and the, and the mutual encouragement we enjoy in the community God has caused to happen uh, at our Young Adult Thursday Night Beyond group for the last six years. Uh, during these meaningful years of ministry, we've had the opportunity to put into practice and apply the biblical and doctrinal truth we've been taught. We've had, uh, and we've had so much fun doing this. We've had so much fun. Uh, we believe it's a powerful thing when God, a powerful thing that God uses when you combine teaching truth while at the same time sharing your life and loving people. Those two things in combination are a powerful thing. Another pivotal moment uh, was being invited to Gary and Don's house for dinner on February 15th, 2017. Why that specific date? I'll tell you. I think God in his graciousness wanted us to remember this important date because it was the night the transformer uh, station here in Ephrata blew up. And so we got to watch the whole thing from the Knox deck, which was pretty cool. <laughs> Memorable evening. Uh, we were at the Knox that evening because we wanted to talk with them about my leaving a very secure job that I planned on retiring from at the Irrigation District. We explained that evening that God had brought us to the point of being sure of my calling to full-time ministry, and I was contemplating getting a seminary degree. I said to Gary, I need someone to look me in the eye and tell me I'm not crazy. Gary looked me in the eye and said, you're not crazy. So 11 months later, in January 2018, I was enrolled at Dallas Theological Seminary and been slowly working on a seminary degree ever since. Needless to say, I slash we have grown tremendously during my seminary studies. In closing, and you're wondering if I was ever going to get done talking, and I will. I know some of you think I talk a lot, and I guess I do. Uh, in closing, I would like to say this. Dallas Theological Seminary has a slogan I, I mention often, which is, teach truth, love well. Teach truth, love well. This slogan helps us to encapsulate our experience here. You all have taught us well and loved us very well. With 2 Timothy 2.2 in mind, we trust by the power and only by the power of the Holy Spirit, we in turn will teach truth and love well as we pastor in Leita. So, to you, our church family, please know that we are so deeply grateful for all your input into our lives. With deep sincerity, we say thank you, thank you so very much. And every one of you and to this church body as a whole. I think Dan has already said most of it, but I'm just going to tell two hopefully quick stories um, <laughs> uh, that I think really illustrate um, how deeply God has impacted us through this church body. And the first one, most of you already know the basics of the story. You were here with us through it. Um, when we lost our son Daniel nine years ago, you guys walked us through the darkest night of our lives thus far, and you walked us through it so beautifully. Um, two things as I've thought back upon it that really stand out, that, or what Paul is saying, is that the truth that had just been entrenched in us, I mean, we were, it just had become a part of who we are, so that when we lost Daniel, God through you had prepared us for that loss. Um, we were able to stand and hang on to our faith through a fierce storm because of the truth that was in us. We knew truth, and we knew we'd see our son again someday. We knew that Daniel belonged to God, and it was his sovereign plan. Um, the time of Daniel leaving this world was in God's hands, nobody else's. So we didn't need to blame anyone or anything else. We could trust God. So many more truths that we had learned that were in us helped us. Um, even now, I mean, I remember at the time going, I don't know how this is happening, how... We can be grieving this hard, but still be okay. And it's because of those truths that were in us. So thank you so much. The second thing is um, just the way you loved us through that and the way you grieved with us through that time. And honestly, there is no human word. I was trying to think of a human word for the way you loved us. And I can't, I can't think of one. But my brother-in-law, um, I think, said it the best. So I'm going to share a verse with you. And it comes from John 13, 35. And it says, Jesus said... By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. My brother-in-law, Don, was watching. He saw the way you guys loved us. And one night, he was there a lot the first two weeks after we lost Daniel. And one night, he said to us, he said two things. He said, I watch the way you're able to grieve. And I see the people that love you. They're coming in here. 
and they're grieving heavily too, but you, you have some place to go with your pain and your sorrow. I have nowhere to go with it. And he said, I see that you have hope and that you have peace. I don't have either of those. The next thing he said actually brought a smile to my face. He said, and, the, and, he said, and another thing, the way these people are loving you, honestly, I've never experienced or seen anything like it before. And then he said, this is where it made me smile, it's almost like it's superhuman. <laughs> and I said, it is superhuman. What you're seeing is supernatural, Don. What you're seeing is when someone accepts Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into them. God himself comes into them, and he loves through them. You're seeing God love us through our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as if that wasn't enough, three weeks later, fast forward, um, <clears throat> When um, we had the memorial service, and Brother Don was there again, and he was getting ready to leave our house that evening, and he had heard the gospel probably three times. It was, it was shared multiple times during the service, <clears throat> and he's getting ready to leave, standing by our front door, and he turned and looked at Dan, and he said, is that all there is to it? And Dan again went through and shared with him what one must do to be saved, and he stood there with astonishment on his face and said, well, then I think I'm there. Just beautiful. So you never know. The world is watching, and it has seen that you are Christians by your love. Thank you. Second story. I'm hoping. Am I doing okay? Okay. Second story. I'm going to have a really, really go fast. <laughs> uh, so this is more of a personal growth and, and healing, forgiveness, restoration, reconciliation, and redemption that happened in my life here at Grace Point. And it has had tentacles that have gone way out behind be, beyond Grace Point that you don't know about, and I want you to know about this. So um, real quick, uh, my parents got saved about six months before I was born. Uh, they started going to church at age seven um, at an altar call by Pastor Young. I remember it to this day. Um, the Holy Spirit worked in my heart, and I went forward, and I accepted Christ at age seven. About two years later, at age nine, I was baptized. Am I going too fast? Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, about fifth grade, um, my dad started to really struggle, and we were kicked out of the church. And um, not long after that, he was diagnosed with what is now known as bipolar. Um, and he continued to struggle and made a lot of really poor choices. Um, by the time I was 16, my father was arrested. And by the time uh, my, in my summer of my 18th year, um, he went to prison. And um, Again, like Dan said, I don't want to have any, say anything disrespectful towards my father. Um, I had some beautiful, beautiful memories with my family. He was a loving man, um, but this happened, and, um, and he made choices. And uh, so anyway, um, just before he went to prison, it came out that he had been having an affair for several years with someone and that there was actually um, children involved. And so he had been raising our family and another simultaneously. Um, so needless to say, my parents got a divorce, and um, at that point, I am just so grateful to them that they got saved, and I am so grateful that I accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit was in me, um, because I, I then, at that point in time, I went into my own personal time of rebellion, and by the grace of God, it was short-lived. Um, the Holy Spirit in me, as I made um, unhealthy choices and ungodly choices, I made a choice that um, rocked my world, and I fell on my knees. Um, I got in my car, and I drove myself to my sister's house, and she um, was one of the only people at that time that had been walking with God. So I drove to her house. I walked in her back door. I fell on my knees on her kitchen floor, and I confessed my sin. Then I fell face, I can remember Thursday, I fell with my face to the floor, laying on the floor, and cried out to God for his forgiveness. And in that moment, God met me there on my sister's floor. And... Um, it was at that moment I knew God forgave me for all my sin. I began to understand what I was saved from myself. <laughs> um, and, uh, and at that moment, I began to understand what grace is. Okay, fast forward. Whoop. Okay, where am I at? Oh, okay. So then I got up, and I, I started walking with God, and it was a little bumpy <laughs> for a while. Um, I, did get, I got involved in a church. I started doing Bible studies um, and eventually met Dan, and then we got married. Yay. And, um, just, <laughs> and, just, and just before we got married, um, my dad got out of prison for good behavior, and he actually got to walk me down the aisle, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, okay, now, big time fast forward, eight years to Grace Point. Um, 
some, some healing and growth, of course, had happened during that time. But the way I think of it, it's, it's like, you know, when you make those little plants, the little, you put seeds in there, you set them on your kitchen counter, and then they grow into these little tiny shoots, and then they're ready to go and be planted in the garden. Um, I feel like I was one of those little shoots by the time we got to Grace Point, and that God took me and he planted me in this fertile soil. And I began to grow and understand truth like never before. And I had so much unprocessed pain and brokenness in my relationship with my father, and I needed healing. I wanted to forgive him, but I had no idea how to do it. So fast forward again. Some of you might remember that we were the janitors here for a short time at the church. And um, one of the days, the boys and I were in Gary's office grabbing the garbages, I think. And Gary's there, and he had this uh, book of... uh, a stack of books on his desk, and out of blue, he says, Tawny, I know you like to read, and people keep giving me all these books, and they want me to read them and report back to them on me, report, report back to them on them. He said, I don't have time for them all. Could you read a couple of them and get back to me? And I thought he was kidding, and I said, yeah, sure, and he takes the book off the top and hands it to me, and put it in my hands, and I read the title, and it said, Father Hunger, Healing for Your Broken Relationships with Your Earthly Father. I sat down right where I was out on the floor and began to weep. I don't think Gary knew what in the world to do. <laughs> like he was expecting that. Or my boys. Uh, but Gary, of course, as you all know, he prayed for me right then and there. I got up and left. Um, and then it was about a three, four-month process of reading through that book. It wasn't a book that you read. It was a book that counsels you through the loss from a biblical perspective. And I can't tell you, I know it was just the work of the Holy Spirit through that I devoured that book. I did everything it asked me to do, and I worked through my anger, my hurt, um, all of it. Um, I mean, I know it's always an ongoing process, but the the huge thing happened. And by the time I got to the end, um, I had not only came to a place where I had forgiven my father, what happened was I actually um, transferred. um, it's, It's no longer put expectations on my earthly father to meet my fatherly needs. It had been transferred, and I started to accept from God the Father and allowed him to eat, meet my um, fatherly needs. So anyhow, it's just a beautiful story. So, of course, I wanted to run out right then and tell my dad that I forgave him, but um, my dad was not ready. <laughs> so there was a couple of years that I would attempt where I'd want to go to him and say to his face, Dad, I forgive you. you know. And I tried. I'd say, I would come, walk in the door and say, Daddy, there's something I want to say to you, and he would always go, we're okay. Everything's okay. So I finally gave up and just decided to trust God with his timing. And then, I don't know, I was driving on my way for some, or, some reason. I was by myself, and I was driving to a wedding in Aberdeen, and I drove, was driving through Tacoma, which is where my father lives. And uh, I was driving past, and the Holy Spirit was just loud and clear, go to your dad's now. It's time. So I did. I drove. I knocked on the door. My dad said, come in. I walked in, and he was sitting in his huge, he has this huge recliner rocker thingy. And I said, Daddy, there's something I need to say to you. And he patted the arm of his chair. And I walked, and I sat facing him. And he was able to look in his eyes and say, Daddy, I forgive you for everything. And he grabbed a hold of me and sobbed. And rocking back and forth, I got to rock him like a baby as he cried. Um, and reconciling reconciliation happened at that moment with my father. Um, Fast forward, uh, my dad then began um, going to church, and he started walking with Christ himself. The last 10 years of his life were the most beautiful of all, and I'm almost done. (laughs) Um, My dad died um, February 9th a year ago, and on his deathbed, um, he was not able to talk, but through the nurses, he asked that I would get a hold of a few people, let them know what's going on, and then he said, and write Matt. Matt is um, one of my brothers that happened during that time where he had a second family. Um, and Matt is in jail, um, actually awaiting prison right now. And so I, I thought he might get a hold of him and let him know what's going on. So I did. Um, and they had one last connection before my dad died. And the jail asked that I would call and let them know when dad died. I called um, the jail the night dad died. And the guard I was talking to said, actually, the sergeant really wants to tell you something. He got on the phone. And he said, <clears throat> there's something you need to know. And I said, what's that? He said, we knew two weeks ago that something had happened to your dad. And I said, why is that? And he said, the letters stopped coming. Write Matt. He wanted me to write Matt. So then um, he said, but there's more. And I said, okay. He said, you know, as 
you know, we have to read those letters before we can let the inmates read them. And I said, yeah. And he said, your dad wrote a handwritten devotional to Matt every single day pointing him to Christ and Christ's love. I was just overwhelmed. He said, well, there's more. He said, we waited for those letters every day, and we read them aloud to all. We all wanted to hear what those letters said. And he said, lives have been changed here because of those letters. And then, fast forward, I, that Wednesday I had a talk with Matt. He called me for the first time from jail, and he said, with tears in his eyes, Sister, I'm holding 78 letters from Dad. And I said, I know. And then he went on to tell me. And then he told me his version of the story. And he said, my blockmates waited for those letters every day. And I read them aloud to them. And it has started a fire here in this jail. He said, one day we were um, <clears throat> talking about something that Dad said about biting in Christ. And we were all like, what in the world does that mean? That's not the word they use. But um, what does that mean? And a guard overheard. And he is a believer. And he said, would you like Bibles? And they said yes. So his whole block unit, whatever they're called, got Bibles. And that man has started a Bible study with them. And they have a Bible study once a week. So I say to you, Grace Point, you have no idea how one action of obedience to God, saying yes to teaching, saying yes to leading a Bible study, loving someone, handing them a book, you have no idea. And we're just one story. So I know it's just all over with all of you. <laughs> so anyhow, I just want to say thank you, Grace Point. Real, huh? Wonderful. God is at work in their lives, in our lives, in people's lives. And we know last night, God is at work over in China. That was very apparent, and he's at work right here doing so many things. We are thankful to be together as a body of Christ. We here at Grace Point have our faults, most definitely. By God's grace, we're trying to be trustworthy servants, trustworthy brothers and sisters, carrying on his ministry of preaching the gospel around the world. Uh, let's see, where, why don't you go ahead and uh, do this one. The third command, which I'm wanting to share with you all here, uh, is somewhat important. Committing is very important because it's strategic, but Committing is something you can do in, rather quickly. Enduring requires time. And as you know, suffering through Daniel's death and the aftermath of all of that requires great endurance. And it's not something you just say amen and okay, pray about it and you get over it. It takes much time, much effort, and a long period of time. And that's uh, something that this word talks about endure hardship as a good soldier and it is interesting that it says as a good as a good soldier so it brings that metaphor again we you all are in the spiritual battle we have been committed to the spiritual battle when we believe in jesus that's a part of our lives you in particular going to be a pastor pastor's wife in Leta there it's even more prominent that you are a soldier and that you're in the battle of fighting for jesus there and it's going to require great amount of endurance. Endurance there. Philippians 1.29. Go ahead and flip that one. This is a, a passage of scripture that uh, when a person gets saved out on our ministry in, in uh, Hong Kong, Macau, and China out there, that we give them six lessons in their baptism lesson, classes uh, before we baptize them. The fifth lesson we talk about this. This is one of the principles we talk about before we ever baptize them. Say, today you believed in Jesus Christ, that's wonderful, but please know that as a Christian you're going to endure and encounter great suffering. And it'll be religious suffering there. And in China that's definitely a part of the thing. In many other places around the world it is. But just in a general principle, as we believe in Jesus, we are going to have a lot of hardships. That's just a part of life. So then I say, okay, you learned the truth now. You still want to be baptized. And all but one of the believers said yes. And all of the hundreds we baptized out there. But we tried to be up front with them and say, so I'm being up front with you guys. You're going off to a place to be a pastor. It's really nice. I mean, being a pastor is a very honorable, uh, quote-unquote, vocation and so forth. But it, it, there's a lot of hardship. And endure hardship as a soldier. So 
as a soldier, what kind of a soldier? It says a good soldier, not just a regular soldier, but a good soldier. If you notice the wording in that. So it's a compound verb in this, in the, in this uh, command to us, and it's something to endure all kinds of pain, difficulty, hardship kind of stuff. So a good soldier, he takes, I've never been a soldier, so I don't know that. I've been a soldier for Jesus out in the Chinese context for 40 years, so I kind of know what that, you have to put up with a lot of stuff in that area. But this is something that, again, get your mentality as you go, endure. Now, something just not to put up with, I got to gut it through it, you know, agonize through it. No, it's an honor and a privilege for you to do this, but nevertheless, okay, we're in this for the long haul. We're not here just for five years. The normal thing in America, pastors, we have five years and they're off to another place. No, you're out there for the long haul, like Gary here, for the long haul. We're in here to endure as a good soldier, a principle of life. When you get down there, be that good pastor, enduring pastor's wife. Now, the last thing, there, there are three little metaphors that give up. Uh, you know, one about a, a soldier there that's uh, here about being a good soldier. Then there's another one about being active as a, as a uh, uh, person who is an athlete. If that's a good metaphor, yes, you want to run well to do that and, and work hard at doing that. Then the third one uh, talks about being a good farmer, and we uh, mentioned about uh, one of Dave Gossett being how to be a good farmer, good illustrations of the Fa family and, and the Gossets there. But the, the last one, as I, I, I think, I'm, I'm quite impetuous as my original nature, my character is impetuous. You're a bit impetuous as well, I believe. You guys are kind of activists. You're, at, you're doers more than sit back and contemplate kind of stuff. So this fourth command, now there in verse 7, go ahead and go on down to the, the last verse down there on the number 4. It says, fight the good fight. Now they're thinking in the fight. So about that, to think. So there's that's what it says, to think on these, consider on these, you know, cogitate on these things that have been given to you. Seriously consider the three commands before in this context. Seriously consider, be strong, stand firm, which is supposed to be, keep at it. And then consider how to commit to good people, trustworthy people. Keep considering that. Think about that as you're in the pastorate. And then about enduring. You know, think about it. That's tough. It's not easy. In the battle, think of the battle. Maybe you want to give in. You want to whatever. Okay? Think about these things and kind of lay back and cogitate a bit on it. I know it's something that you've experienced here. Gary is a good contemplator. Gary's a good guy that sit back and think about stuff. He didn't make decisions snap on the snap on the fly. He would think about things well. It's a very strong point that Gary had for us and helped. I had a, a man like that in my life, Dennis Ahern. He, was, he would make decisions very slowly, but it's helped me in all my 30-some years of ministry when he, after he had to leave us there. Think about these things that you have learned here, that you know of the Word of God as you carry on in your ministry. Be strong. Someone go ahead to the last one, please. Be strong in the power of his might, Ephesians 6.10. I think you're memorizing that right we're working on that right now, putting in the armor. Same word, same command, same exact thing. Be strong in the power of God's might. You're true. The might and the power that you have in your own resources is going gonna, gonna to drain out about the second day you're there. It's not going to last hard at all. But I'll tell you, the power that's in you, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, the power of people back in you, that is the power of the might of the, the Spirit of God. Endure difficulties that you're in. Hey, that's part of the deal. <laughs> that, that is... Okay, learn how to train up, keep your focus like you have right now. Very good, super. Have you done in beyond? Train, 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 focusing on the next generation. And then remember, take some time to cogitate. Take some time to back off and think about things, and big picture stuff to see where God is leading you in your life. The very last picture, please. There about the soldier. All right. You are well-trained. You're, su you're sufficiently trained. It's just like Gary and me preparing a sermon. We never have enough time to prepare the sermon. It's already Sunday morning, God preach. We never have enough time. You'll have that every Sunday, all the rest of your life. It'll be that way. But be assured, you are well trained. You have enough to go. You're prepared. All the things in life, all the things you've experienced here, you are prepared well enough to where God puts you, you will succeed. Don't worry about failing. God is in you. He'll help you. Don't worry about that stuff. We are sending you. Next week, you're going to have official send-off. We are in back of you. 
That's something you can count on. Now, as I say that, I want to give a challenge to Grace Point, us. There's a board here and a board back on the round table back there. And one of us says the Carter Prayer Challenge. This is about prayer. And it goes up and down like this. So I am challenging uh, you all to pray for the Carters either daily or weekly from May 1 of this year to next year, April 30th, one full year, to pray for them either daily or weekly. And if you're willing to do that, please sign your name up here. It's a place to put your name, telephone, and what if a day or week, whatever you want, you just tick it off. So please do that right after the service here, or next Sunday will be the next opportunity. If you want to go home, think about it, pray about it, and what you're willing to commit, because they need prayer warriors. They need people standing back of us, like us missionaries. We've done, we did this for 40 years. We have, I think, 800 people or something like that pray for us to be in back of us. It helps us. God's with us, with you in this endeavor. So we are prayer warriors here. We believe in prayer, so please prayerfully consider about signing up for them on this. Now, the other board is, clipboard is, it goes like this. Now, this one has uh, a promise or a commitment from us, Grace Point, to you. We, at the leadership of Grace Point, are committing to provide one year of member care for you guys. That means we're going to come and visit you at least four times. Once each quarter, we're going to come and visit you, see how you're doing, pray with you, maybe go out to eat with you, maybe go shoot guns with you, I don't know. We'll do something with you and talk with you and see how things are going. And if you need to talk to somebody, we're available. Some of us have experience in different areas, we'll be available. We'll take people with us when we go down. So... Brothers and sisters, who wants to go visit them on one of these quarterly visits? Are you willing to? If you're willing to, again, name them, and then put which quarter you might be. Right now, it's, I know it's a year out. Okay, what quarter might you be willing to do this? Possibly, you know, convenient. Write it down, and then the leadership will get a hold of you and see if this would be a good time for you to go or not. But we want to com we're committing to you. You're our brother and sister. We're sending you out from us. We're a part, we're a body doing things together. It's a part of discipleship. When, when we send our kids off to school, I see a woman sitting over here. She sent three daughters off to school. And I bet she just left, left them alone, didn't even go visit them down at Washington State University, right? Yeah, you never even check in with them. No, no texting, no what's, what, whatever, no way. Yeah, no, they're a family. You keep up with them. They're a family. We keep up with them. We here at Grace Point, by God's grace, are involved in people's lives. We're a family. We're together, folks. And by God's grace, he is leading us right now. He's allowed all these things to happen to us, and he's carries us in the future. Who knows what's going to happen in the days to come? But we're together by God's grace. Thanks.